One, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> there's, there's a few more out there. Um, my brother named his son, Luke. And one of my best friends that passed uh, last year, his daughter named her son, also Lucas. So there's plenty of Lucas to go around. You guys remember the Bob Newhart show at all? Come on! Remember, uh, hi, this is my name, Daryl. This is my brother, Daryl. This is my other brother, Daryl. My other brother, Daryl. Yeah. That was a great show. They don't make them like that anymore. Uh, I heard he's in his 90s now. Oh, I'm surprised he's still alive. I'm glad to hear that, actually. I'm glad he's alive, too. He, he yeah. was one of my favorites. I liked him. Last time I saw him, which was years ago, he looked like he was failing a little bit mentally. But oh, really? Oh. He was making guest so appearances fun. on The Big Bang Theory. Was he? Excuse me? Yes. He was making guest appearances on oh. The Big Bang Theory. Didn't know that, although I've seen that a few times. Interesting. Well, he was a good, funny guy. He is a good, funny guy. He's still with us. Good. So who wants to be Daryl and who wants to be his other brother, Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> That was my favorite line in the show. So I guess I'm going to be a Eucharistic minister for Christmas. Yeah. Oh. Hey. No, I'm just saying I'm not a Eucharistic minister right now. But the Monsignor reached out to me and told me he wants me to come visit him. And he's going to train me and install me. Okay. Um. Christmas and Easter are all hands on deck. Um, yeah, that's what he's figuring. That's probably what he's hoping. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's the big unknown, you know, that we don't know whether people are going to show up. Also, you don't even know that if I was talking to a funeral director t earlier today, and she was telling me that the number of bodies in her basement is building up again. Um, oh my! And that you know we could be in shutdown. You know, Germany just went back to shutdown again. Lavio yeah. well, said today though it would be after Christmas. Who said that? Lavio. Oh really? Yeah. Well, who would know better than him? which means that Cuomo's going to do it differently just to spite him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In, 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 our, in our parish, Father Sorge implemented a ticket uh, system for Christmas Eve and Christmas Masses. We have a total of 11 Masses. The churches are usually packed, but he said this time in order to make sure we comply with the requirements, we're going to issue tickets. But then the big, un and, and they're going fast, I hear. Uh, but the big unknown will be, are those people that, generally come to church once or twice a year, are they just going to expect to come on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day and then have to be turned away? It's it's going to be a, an uncomfortable situation for many people, I think. Yep. Okay. Especially, especially Christmas Eve, okay, with the whole no room in the inn kind of uh, mm -hmm. motif. Yeah. yeah. Going to be awkward. How's everybody? Peter, how you doing, Peter? Yeah. You're all right? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. I just heard about your loss, Peter. I'm so sorry. 
Thank you. Very sorry. We'll certainly be including her in the, the prayers in my parish, Peter. What, what is her first name her again, Peter? Oh, I'm sorry, Doug. Yeah. What was her I'm name? Asking her first name. Angelina, but we call her Angie. Was she older or younger than you? Older. She was the oldest of four children. Okay. What was her married name? Uh? Is, is she married? Yeah. She married a nice Irish guy. Uh, so there's some redeeming value there for you. <laughs> well, at least you know she's in heaven, Peter. Yes. She's Peter, so plenty already. Peter, could you could you repeat her married name? Uh, M C small C. Big M, small C, big A, U L E Y. Macaulay. Right. Oh. Oh. A little easier to say than Tessorario. Yes. <laughs> That's probably the reason why she did it. <laughs> yeah, my wife, too. My wife's maiden name was Talarchio. I grew up with Palercios in Mount Vernon. She's from City Island originally. Uh, shall we begin, folks? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Danny, I wouldn't ask how you're feeling. Are oh, you good. Doing good. All right. Glad to hear that. I, there, there are a bunch of things I'd like to cover this evening. Um, maybe some of them are only at the outer reaches of service in the sanctuary. But I would like to start, if you will, with the guidelines for the worship of the Eucharist outside of Mass. I just, I'm going to highlight a few things there for you. Um, you may not have had a chance to read it in depth. I don't, don't really need it in depth. But I wanted to point out on page two, that's the page with the monstrance. Okay. That part where he gives you a, that historical background, I think that, that from my point of view, that that was very helpful. Okay, so the whole development right, of the understanding of what the Lord meant when he called it his body and how it was conceived to be the food of immortality. And in our Western church, for those who could not be part of the assembly, he makes reference to Justin Martyr, okay, talking about how the deacons would take the Eucharist to the sick. Okay, That little passage, I mean, everybody see where I am in that uh, second page? Okay. That little passage, by the way, right, that quotation is going to show up in the Office of Readings during the Easter cycle in the third week. Um, so you'll, you know, that, that reading from Justin Martyr is rather famous and it has a place in the office. So you'll be seeing that again in more detail. It's the next part down, okay, where he mentions 
uh, the whole, I guess it's the last line before the footnote is the word that's kind of important for us Roman Catholics, which is transubstantiation. Okay. Bottom line, it looks like bread. It may not taste like bread, okay? But it no longer is bread so that what scholastic philosophy came up with was the difference between the substance and the accidents. By accidents, it didn't mean that it happened by chance, but rather the things that were non-essential, okay? So for example, I am substantially a human being. The fact that I have gray hair or any hair at all, okay, take those away, my substance is still the same, okay? And so what happens in the change at the Eucharist is that the accidents, the things that appear to the five senses remain, but it no longer is the reality of bread or the reality of wine. So far so good on that? Okay. For our Lutheran brothers and sisters, and I just mentioned this so you'll get ready for when you get a course on Eucharist, they believe in consubstantiation, that the bread gets an added element that it is truly the body of Christ, okay? physically the body of Christ, but the bread and the wine are still there. So it's an added substance, but it's consubstantiation. Do you see the difference between the two? And then for our Calvinist brethren, okay, that really it is, it's still bread and wine purely and only, and it is merely symbolically the body and blood of Christ. It represents him by nature of the symbol, but it's only bread and only wine. It is not the real and true body of Christ. So that just as a, a little bit of a quick review. Okay, but I, the guy, does he get mentioned here? No, I, I thought it was, the guy who started the fight, okay, which forced everybody to think more clearly about it was this French theologian by the name of Berengarius, who got his hand slapped quite a few times, and it's because he was denying it, okay, or looking for the language to express it, that eventually that we get in Thomas Aquinas and the other scholastics, the language of transubstantiation. But I do want to move on to, okay, I'm over on page three. I'm in the top paragraph. I'm in the third line from the top paragraph. Third line from the bottom of the top paragraph. And you see this from the Council of Constance in 1415, the doctrine of concomitance. Does everybody see that fancy word? You will never hear this on the streets of the Bronx, but 
you will you really should know what the what the theory is even if okay the word is not going to come trippingly upon the tongue concomitance is the as a sacrament the bread and the wine are the body in Christ but the graces of the sacrament are communicated precisely in the signs that are used to represent that. So it is in bread and it is in wine that certain graces, certain effects are brought about by the sacrament. We believe that every grace that the consecrated capital W wine would give you is entirely within the host. Or if you couldn't receive the host, for example, there are the folks who have extreme cases of, uh, the word is escaping me now. The, the kind of thing where wheat, they're allergic to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I know. Gluten. Gluten, right. That they have a severe gluten allergy. Okay. In those cases, in words that they could receive communion only under the form of wine, and all of the graces represented by the bread, okay, are given to them, right? So concomitants. You get all the graces in either one of the sacraments. We believe that. It's a doctrine of the church. But I would like to propose that we think clearly about it, that if the Lord used two different things to represent it, that, that the sign value is not in the graces, it's 100% in the graces, but as a sign value, it's lacking. So I'm a proponent of receiving under both species because then it becomes a little bit clearer in all of those scriptural overtones connected with blood as forgiving, blood as life-giving, okay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we don't have time to do. Okay. Wouldn't it also want to at this point? Say again. Luther, wasn't that also his argument that wine and bread should be served? Oh, it was, but he he did it, in other words, before him, and this is where we got, we got backed into a corner, Peter, is that Jan Hus, who was burned at the Council of Constance, okay, his teaching was that if you didn't receive the from the cup or you didn't get any of the wine you did not get all of the graces okay and it then became a question of authority okay and therefore in reaction to the hussites okay where the church says all right you know what we're only going to do the one okay and now if you will some 500 years later Okay, we come around to, okay, the Hussites aren't really a problem anymore. Okay, let's give out the, so far so good? 
Okay, but we still believe in concomitants, and that's important, especially in this gluten kind of world. I would like to also point out that um, jump ahead, please, to page five at the bottom of the page. And scene number four. Okay. Now, this, I think if I am correct in interpreting this, this changes what I grew up with. In St. Stephen of Hungary, every Tuesday night, we had benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. Every Thursday night, there was a holy hour. They were different from one another in the length that on Thursday for the holy hour, there was a lot more time of, well, first of all, that there was a, a sermon, there was silent adoration, okay, and then eventually there was benediction with the Blessed Sacrament. People understand what I'm saying? But the Tuesday thing was really, okay, we came, they incensed, the, you know, exposed the Blessed Sacrament in the monstrance, they incensed it, okay, and then basically we went into the Tanta Mergo with the incensed it again. He blessed the congregation with the monstrance. We did the divine praises, we did a hymn. And then after that, there was a veneration of the relic of St. Anthony. Pretty basically, we were exposing the Blessed Sacrament, blessing people, and then it was over. Do folks understand what I'm saying? And if I'm interpreting number four correctly on page five, okay, we don't do benediction just to bless as the Tuesday thing was so that we could have an hour of the office. We could have recitation of the rosary. Okay. We could have silent adoration for some time. People understand what I'm saying, okay. but it shouldn't be merely benediction just for the sake of uh, let's get the host waved over us by way of a prayer. Am I making sense in what I'm trying to, okay. Do for, any of you remember the kind of thing that I was talking about from my youth? Go ahead, Paul. Well, no, I, not precisely what you're talking about, Deacon, but it, it's, it's somewhat similar, actually. Uh, uh, in the parish in which I grew up in Mount Vernon, every Monday night, uh, we would gather at eight o'clock for the Miraculous Medal Novena. Okay. We would pray the novena. At this time, the Blessed Sacrament was in, in repose in the tabernacle. And at the conclusion of the praying of the novena, we would then have benediction where the Blessed Sacrament would be brought uh, to the altar, placed in the monstrance. There would be benediction, incense, the divine praises, a hymn restored back to the tabernacle and was gone. So would this prohibit that? I, the way I'm reading it, yes. Yeah. Uh, move the devotion 
to between the Salutaris and the Tantamergo, and it would be okay. Mm -hmm. I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. So, so you you would have the Blessed Sacrament opposed. Uh, um, exposed during the time of of, of the, uh, the novena see, see back again what i'm again remembering from the holy hours is during the homily we used to put this great big i'm going to say it looks like a flag in front of the blessed sacrament so that you could pay attention to in theory at least if the blessed sacrament was exposed you were eyes only on the, the monstrance. How could you pay attention to the priest in the pulpit? So there was this banner, that was a better word than flag, this banner that went in front. And, and maybe you can even remember some of that even post-Vatican II in the early days of EWTN, okay, that they always used to cover it, okay? Uh, or even a mass, right? In other words, that that when they were going to remember that they are perpetual adoration chapel so that they would put this banner in front of the monstrance okay and then they would celebrate mass okay whereas now i'm pretty sure that the thing is that you if you're going to celebrate mass you don't do it during exposition of the blessed sacrament comprende go ahead peter Good questions. I just have a question that I always wondered. Why is it when during benediction or holy hour, when the priest goes to take the Eucharist out of the tabernacle, he doesn't have the special humeral, humeral veil is the word you're looking for. He doesn't um, use that. He takes it out, does that, puts it down. He, but when he goes to return it, then he puts that on. Why is it he only uses it when he returns? Okay, uh, Peter, I, I think what you're doing is perhaps, at least again, my memory, right? Is after he, in the Tantamergo, he has now offered incense, okay? Then he receives the humeral veil. He then went up, wrapped the base of the, of the monstrance in the humeral veil and gave the blessing, okay? Put it down on the altar, came back down for the divine praises, but kept the humeral veil on, okay? Then he went back, so because he had it on, he used it for the reposing, okay? I see in these pages here something that I never grew up with, which was to use the humeral veil in the bringing it to the altar, okay? I am going to say that uh, uh, I, I think what is represented there, okay, is the a thing that was found more often in the east than in the west is that sacred objects were not touched okay so we still have a survival of this where that 
that they give a kind of a humoral veil to servers, acolytes, okay, so that you don't, the kid doesn't hold the bishop's staff, okay? In other words, he held it with the humoral veil because it was something that was holy. The same thing with the mitre. Nowadays, when we're at Dunwoody, we don't do that at all, do we? Okay. You'll see in some parishes that, that they've replaced the kid's humoral veil with a pair of white gloves. Right. Um, now, I think I would want to stress that remember in the Middle Ages that cathedrals were not heated that the bishop's crozier was metal, that there were also metal, metal jeweled miters, okay, not made out of cloth. And so if you were holding them in freezing cold weather, okay, you would have wanted some piece of cloth to insulate you, get my, okay, so I think that it may have begun in practicality okay i also think that there was a bit of a, a way of trying to show special reverence even more than the most appropriate which is in your bodily demeanor okay and in the sense of gravitas seriousness with which you engage in the activity am i making sense to people uh, okay uh, so am I big on humoral veils? No, I'm not. Um, but I do see here that Father Ernest has, from my memory, added a humoral veil for the bringing it to the altar as well as returning it back. Okay? I think it's one of those, um, we don't have benediction as often as we once did, and so on. Uh, I think there's going to be a great deal of variety based on the interests and the patterns of the clergyman who's doing it. Clear? Okay. I, for myself, uh, I'm kind of giving, I, I sometimes wondered whether Obviously, adoring the Blessed Sacrament, because we believe that at the conclusion of the Mass, the presence doesn't disappear. Okay? It remains within the elements, which is why we adore it. Okay? Uh, I, I think I've used this line with you before, a, a, a sainted former pastor used the aphorism, we adore it because we've kept it. We don't keep it in order to adore it. We've kept it because of viaticum for the dying. Because we've kept it, okay, and it is what it is, then we adore it. But we don't keep it in order to adore it. Is that making sense on that, that there's a, there's a stress there that I hope I'm communicating carefully. Clear? Okay.
vegan. Quiet question. Yeah. Is there, is there, I didn't read it. Maybe I didn't read it, but is there a minimum amount of time for adoration? I didn't see, maybe I'm being foolish. I, I did not see one, but I'm very Jesuitical of you to, uh, I want to say, you know, what do we got to do? Um, well, if it had to be cut short for some reason, um, you know, you can't leave it alone. Right. You can't leave it alone. Um, but again, should not leave it alone. Okay. And when I was, at, you've all been to the office there in, um, at Dunwoody, the diaconate office. Everybody been to the office? Never been to the office, Paul? No. Okay. You're going to have to get Frank to take you there, right? Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. From the days when it was a convent, okay, that on the second floor there was a chapel, okay, and down the road a piece on the third floor was the vocation director, and the Sura Club was absolutely convinced that if more lay people were doing Eucharistic adoration, that that would, like magic, increase the vocations to the priesthood. Okay, And because the director of vocations office at that time was in that building, okay, that they started Eucharistic adoration. Okay, So father would come to work in the morning, he would expose it, and there was a whole slew of people who would take turns uh, coming to visit the Blessed Sacrament, okay? Uh, spending an hour with him, okay? So far, so good on the, okay? One day around four o'clock in the afternoon, I happened to walk into the chapel and I saw a woman and she said, thank God you're here, okay? I, I was supposed to do from one to two o'clock Okay, and nobody showed up at two o'clock and nobody showed up at three o'clock. Okay. And I, I have to go home. Okay. It probably would have been better for her, okay, to leave the Blessed Sacrament at two o'clock and go look for somebody to let them know that there was a problem. Are you with me on that? Okay. She thought that she would be committing this tremendous. I'm not going to use the word sin, somehow a violation, okay, if she left the Blessed Sacrament unattended, okay? You know, bottom line, he's God, he can take care of himself, right? Everybody with me on that? Okay. You know, what if she needed to go to the bathroom, right? You know, and she went to the bathroom there in the chapel because she said, I'm not allowed to leave. No, 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 no. you got to understand priorities. Everybody with me on that? Okay. Um, so I, I was in a parish once where before the nine o'clock mass, there was a coterie of women who would do morning prayer. And one of those women had the permission of the pastor to expose the blessed sacrament in a monstrance. Okay for the time of morning prayer. And then at the end of morning prayer, okay, in words that she would repose the Blessed Sacrament without any kind of a benediction. Everybody clear on? Okay. Okay. 
so are there any other questions on the things that were contained in that worship okay shall we move on Next sheet I'd like to So in the one in one location the essential quotes from the council document, from the code of canon law, and from the germ that says, don't mess. Everybody clear? <laughs> okay. If it's written, do it. Then, for those of you with tender consciences, I think I sent this to you, deliberate deviations from the norms. Okay. So, for example, um, stealing the Blessed Sacrament in order to give it to somebody who's going to celebrate a Black Mass. Okay. That's a major, 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 major problem. We're being clear? Okay. So what I liked about this was that he, in a, I thought, in a rather balanced way, tried to make clear to folks that intent and circumstances drastically affect how or how much more important or how less important something is. Does that make sense? Okay. So that somebody who didn't use a chalice, but used a glass, okay, because when he went to that church that isn't usually have the celebration mass, he couldn't find a chalice, okay? So either he couldn't celebrate mass Okay, if he didn't use other some other kind of cup, okay, so he went again and used it and pointed out this is an exceptional case. Did he do anything wrong? No, he didn't. Okay, as opposed to somebody else who said would say, well, I don't believe, you know, maybe somebody who believed in the 18th Amendment. Uh, now, I I think that uh, they've misunderstood and that all all alcohol is evil. And so I'm not going to celebrate mass with anything that uses alcohol. Okay. Well, that's, that's a different ball game. Okay. So anyway, I liked this because it was, I thought a very balanced way of not going scrupulosity. Okay. Towards beating yourself over the head. If you drop a cruet or something. Okay. Clean it up by the way. Okay. And but then moving on to, I also gave you a copy of, this is just really for your files, okay, of the Vatican document, which says, 
whether the baptism conferred with the formula, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is valid. And the answer was, no. Does it need to be repeated? Okay. Yes, it does. And that goes on their explanation of it. And then I gave you a copy after that of the letter to the people of the Archdiocese of Detroit from Archbishop Vigneron. Everybody sees that one? If you had a chance to look over those pages, you will know that all deacons should pray always for Deacon Mark Springer, okay? Who is probably embarrassed to all get out. I don't know that he made that mistake with deliberation or not but the point was that he shouldn't have done it, okay? And it had consequences for Father Matthew Hood, and you never, ever want to be in the same position as Deacon Springer. Does everybody understand that? Okay. If you are okay, doing the red and saying the black, you won't get into trouble. Clear? Okay. If a priest adds a foreign word in the canon or in the offertory, it's not going to affect the validity of the mass. Okay. But especially for things like the words of consecration, you got to read what's there. Okay, clear? Deacons really don't need to worry about the validity of the Mass. Okay? The only sacrament that we confer to people is baptism. For the rest, most of it is devotional, okay? paraliturgical, okay? and you know, you won't get into trouble, but when you do baptisms, you got to do them right. Okay, everybody with me on that? Okay. Question, Robert. Speaking, what about the, the sacrament of matrimony? Well, okay, here we go. I think my phrasing was exactly correct in that in our Western church, our practice is that the couple gives to each other the sacrament of matrimony. Okay. Okay. We, we, and the deacon, better, the minister witnesses it and blesses it. Okay. Okay. Now, two, two points, though, that follow that. First one is can you do serious damage even though it may not be sacramental damage 
Oh, yes, you can. Okay. Because if you did not get delegation, okay, then you could not have been the minister of the, okay, you could not have been a an official witness. Okay. And therefore, theoretically, if they discovered they didn't like one another, okay, that they could get an annulment. Be grounds, yep. Okay. Number two, from New York State's point of view, you didn't send in the signed marriage certificate. Okay, that could be problematic. Okay, if you, you, this will be the thing that they're going to repeat to you over and over again. Well, when you become a deacon, uh, if you are going to celebrate a sacrament in, within the city of New York, you may have gotten all of the ecclesiastical permissions, okay, but you also have to be registered, okay, with the city clerk. If you were not registered in the, with the city clerk, you could not perform legally under secular law a marriage within the city of New York. That's why they want all of you, okay, you can do marriages outside of the city of New York where this isn't required, but they strongly suggest that everybody upon ordination signs up for that in case you're ever asked to perform one within the city. Everybody understand the logic of that? Yep. And the last point, and you didn't see all of this coming in your question, okay, is that we are only allowed to witness the marriages of two Roman Catholics. Okay. Okay. The Eastern discipline okay, is that the priest imparts the Holy Spirit okay, and the priest gives them the sacrament, not that they give it to each other as in our Western rite. So if I may not perform okay, a marriage where either one of the parties is not a Roman Catholic. That makes sense? Okay. If either one of them is Eastern Rite, whether Catholic Eastern Rite or Orthodox Eastern Rite, okay, then that, it, out of respect for Eastern traditions, it requires a priest or bishop to perform that ceremony. So it was way more complicated than I think what you thought when you asked your question. Okay, so far so good guys. All right. So is Deacon Mark Springer okay, gonna be ever forever be famous? Yes, he is. Okay, okay. I, 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 wrong word. So they, for all of you former English teachers, or people careful of your vocabulary, the word is infamous and not famous, okay? You don't want to share his infamy. But I also liked that the piece that I gave you was the follow-up questions that they were answering, you know, as well, what about this and what about that, okay? So I thought that that gave you a nice picture of all that was involved, okay, for your reading pleasure, okay? A-okay, everyone? All right, good. Now let's, uh, 
Huh. I'm not putting everybody to sleep yet. Okay. Let's go to this crazy page, Saturnalia. Ancient Rome had this long festival in honor of the Titan god Saturn. He had a big Schlamega temple in the Roman Forum. And on the 17th each year, okay, the festival began with untying the woolen bands that were around the statue. And that represented in the same way that Jupiter had defeated Saturn, okay? but in the sense that this is a period of reprieve. Okay? And it was a festival time that people offered gifts. I'm presuming most of you have read this, okay? little dolls, Candles were exchanged, a time of feasting. The slaves, okay, they didn't get their freedom, but they didn't have to work as hard during Saturnalia. And sometimes the masters would serve the slaves. Everybody with me on? It represented a golden age. In the same way that we talk about December 25th as having been picked as the celebration for the birth of Christ because there was probably a Roman holiday then. Okay. So I say that in our office, which tomorrow takes a turn, Advent now doesn't so much look forward as it looks back, but there is a celebration of the O antiphons. And I am suggesting that I think these O antiphons okay, were the Christianizing in Rome of the Feast of Saturnalia that I see the themes that I saw represented here of freedom, justice, kingship, even the dolls and the lights. If you start to look at the texts of the O antiphons, they are obviously called O antiphons because Every one of them begins with the word O, but the greeting of Saturnalia was Eo Saturnalia. So that even the name I think has a correspondence. Everybody seeing that? Okay. 
And so from the 17th down to the 23rd, at Mary's Song of Praise each night, we do a different one of the O antiphons. Okay. How many of you knew this already ahead of time that anybody had explained it to you? Okay. So if you look at the Latin, which I've given you for each one of them, and you take the first letter, so let's work from the bottom up to the top. You see the word Emmanuel? It begins with the letter E, right? The second one is Rex Gentium, King of the Nations, R. The next one is Oriens, Dawn. Clavis David, C. Rodix Jesse, okay, Root of David, Stem of David. Adonai for A, and then the first one, Sapientia. If you take each one of those letters and do it backwards, you get the word arrow cross. Everybody see that? See where it came from? And that means in Latin, I will be there tomorrow. If the last one was on the 23rd, the next night, remember in other words that if the if the if the twenty fifth begins at midnight, well, it's really on the twenty fourth, okay, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, on the cusp of the twenty four, twenty five, okay, that we celebrate the birth of Christ, okay, or the midnight mass as it came to be understood. Everybody with me on that? So that's it. Okay. Now a little bit of. Remember that Advent used to be a penitential season, so there was not as much fasting and abstinence as during Lent, but what your parents grew up with is that there were a lot of fast days and days of partial abstinence during Advent, which have basically been removed. It's now not a penitential season, but a season of joyful expectation. I'm sure you've all heard those kind of words. I heard a story once told by, at the time, the liturgy professor, Father Tom Hagen, who since has left the priesthood. And in those days, pre-COVID, the seminarians used to have a Christmas party that they celebrated for inner city youth. So the kids would be bussed up, I don't know what kind of a party they had in the refectory. The place was all decorated. Okay, the kids ate, the kids went, got toys or something, kids went home. And this one who was a young man in charge of the seminarians went to ask Father O'Hagan because the rector was away, the vice rector was away, the procurator was away, and Tom O'Hagan was the senior priest. And the seminarian asked Father O'Hagan if they could have a free night. And Tom O'Hagan, liturgy professor, said, certainly 
once you've taken down all of the Christmas decorations. He was a purist, kind of like what I grew up with. The Christmas tree never went up before December the 24th, okay? Now, I'm not saying that we do that, but I've been in lots of schools where they wanted to have the Christmas party somewhere at the beginning of December, okay? And I feel uncomfortable about going to a Christmas party during Advent, okay? And what ultimately I was able to make an accommodation was that Advent took this turn beginning on December the 20, I'm sorry, the 17th. Because you see what would happen is after the monks had celebrated evening prayer, that they would go for a collation, if you will, a bit of a party, okay? And the person who's, the person who sang the O Antiphon, his budget paid for that night's party. So, O Roddix Jesse, O Root of David, would have been Brother Cellarer, okay? Who was in charge of supplies. So, his budget that night would have paid for a party for the monks. Everybody with me on that? Okay. Oh, Clavis David would have been the prior because he had the keys, okay? And so since they were already in the custom of anticipating Christmas joy, okay, even the week before Christmas, I felt that as long as the Christmas party was after the 17th, okay, that I could attend the party in good conscience and not fight with my wife who wanted to put the put the tree up the week before Christmas rather than Christmas Eve as I had been used to from my Polish Catholic youth. Amen? Okay. So that's just a little bit of the, uh, to listen to the chant. They are very involved chants. You can find them online, sung in the Latin. Uh, it wouldn't be to everybody's taste but uh, take a look at those antiphons and look at those Saturnalia themes and you can see that like Christmas itself, this was a Christianizing, okay? Once people are used to a party, okay? It's difficult to take it away for them, okay? Amen? Okay. Should we take a little bit of a break? Okay. Let's take a five-minute break, and folks can go to the bathroom and return refreshed. And then we're going to talk about Advent and Christmas. Okay? Anthony, you doing all right there? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. We're taking a break. Anything from the kitchen? Yes. <laughs> 
Topic question, Deacon. What Go have you got? I've got an off-topic question. Go ahead. Um, Eucharistic prayer during Mass. Um, if they all affect the same thing, right? And there's four options, and the second obviously being the shortest. And most people kind of not paying much attention why would you use anything but the second just because it just seems that you know the longer the eucharistic prayer the more distracted and the more let the people don't pay attention so okay so what i would say to that is several folds
second Eucharistic prayer primarily is derived from a canon by Hippolytus and while short it has its own preface you don't have to use its own preface but if you look in the Roman Missal you'll see that the page right before it okay is its own preface and the theology that Hippolytus is trying to communicate is within the preface okay um, in other words if you're going to use two you really I think and I'm not I'm not anybody you really should use the preface that is attached to it okay otherwise you're just going for brevity rather than for meaning and so which then leads me towards okay uh, I'm going to blame the celebrant if the people are not paying attention. Okay. There is a f famous line that Richard Burton of probably okay, of Welsh memory, okay, the guy married to Elizabeth Taylor. Okay, they said that he could read the telephone book and people would pay to listen. Have you heard that line? Okay. What does it mean? It means that with inflection and in the richness of his voice, okay, he made you listen. That's part of the job of a celebrant. And if he's going to read it in a, a rushed or trite, okay, we're lacking the sufficient, I'm going to, this is the second time tonight I'm using this word, gravitas, okay? Then of course the people are not going to pay attention. That's not the people's fault. Am I making sense what I'm trying to get across there? Okay. Now I'll be the first one to say that with all due respect to the ordinary, most beloved Cardinal Archbishop of the Roman Church who ordained me and who I've never heard use anything except number two. Okay. Making sense of that? Okay. Especially during, in other words, when you say, yes, there are four, but actually there's a slew load mine. I think we're up to nine yeah. legal ones. Yeah. Okay. And they are extremely rich, okay, in the thoughts that they offer, okay. And I think that if they were read well, okay, and better prayed well, okay, that the richness that they offer, okay, am I making a degree of sense in? I think so. We got a we have a, a newly ordained priest, and he's always one number one. You know, and uh, it's just, I just think he likes the longer prayer. No, it's not because it's longer. It's because that's an example of the reactionary. Okay. Okay. Pre-Vatican II, that was the only one we had. Okay. 
and and in a sense okay it is truly very ancient okay I, i'm not knocking it okay it has a great deal of tradition behind it but as a eucharistic prayer it's poorly composed if we're talking okay not talking theologically right nothing wrong with it it does confect the eucharist okay but it's really just a whole lot of commemorations mm. are you with me on that okay so. whereas when you take that second eucharistic prayer and, and the in the preface he stretches out his arms okay so what is that going to mean okay it, it obviously is is a reference to to the crucifixion to the sacrifice okay but it's also an embrace is it not okay and can you not also see the imagery of okay by, by stretching out his arms he broke the chains of death okay who else stretched out his arms and broke something okay, i'm not hearing anybody Moses Samson. Okay. Samson pulled down the false temple, right? You with me anywhere? There's all kinds of imagery there that okay that that people should be invited to okay move towards the depth of what's being communicated there. It's not, we we're not we don't celebrate mass in order to get through it. or a bit better we shouldn't be doing okay okay it's to no what i we believe that the eucharist gathered around that table we are offering literally a taste of heaven an ordeurve of the afterlife a taste of paradise and people don't want to come could that be that we're not communicating it sufficiently i don't want to sound that I'm too negative john um no well, i understand but you take the new priest he'll elevate the eucharist you know a foot above his head bishop whalen basically it is to be 6 inches and down you know it's like you just wonder why there's such disparity you know and because what i'm i'm going to say and more than i probably should say this to this young guy before i say it to you people but since you asked the question okay, you're you're talking about what i call the ceiling scrapers <laughs> okay okay and it, did it become more jesus because he raised it okay words really stretched out his arms okay the raising of it was so that people could see it in the days when his back was towards them okay if he is facing them okay function should follow the meaning okay do you follow what i'm trying to get across there 
Is it a time for adoration? Sure. So if he were to say, this is my body which is given for you, and then just drop it, no, you got to give them, a, if you will, some moments, I'm not going to say minutes, of adoration, okay? But of trying to bring back the medieval church, okay, isn't going to communicate in other words, I, I, I almost hear, and I apologize if I'm reading into what, what you're saying, but you're, you're giving me the impression that as somebody who has attended this ancient Roman canon, going all the way back to Gregory the Great, it's not turning you on. And here he is exposing to you the Blessed Sacrament, but lift high the cross, okay? And it's doing nothing for you. And if it's doing nothing for you, who cares about this? It's probably doing way the hell less for the average person in the congregation. Is that a fair reading? Well, I just didn't understand it. To me, it's, I think I understand now the, that him elevating it so high is going back to Eucharistic prayer one. So the two things are, now yeah, I understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but does he probably use fiddleback vestments too? Yeah. Okay, wants to see the Pope in a tiara instead of in a... Um... <laughs> well, it's just his thing, I think. He's a, he's very sincere. Okay. Okay, I, if I can be so bad, please don't quote me on this. If I can quote Bishop Whalen, okay, that many of these young guys... Huh? were raised not in the old church but they were raised on on harry potter and they're missing their capes that's a put down and i apologize for it again uh Lucas. most uh, most spanish uh, mass which usually go a lot longer than english mass uh during the the eucharistic uh prayers when they raise uh, uh, the body of Christ they go on and even uh, at one time that I went uh, back home with my mother it went on for about five minutes adoration of, of the body of Christ and benediction is where that's supposed to be and and the priest was going on and it was beautiful I mean I couldn't get enough of it and but the, but the reality is that is the institution narrative okay a narrative is the telling of a story okay if in the middle of the story we're going to go take a break and do something else okay if you wanted that the elevation and looking at the blessed sacrament that's what benediction is for Okay. You, know, you talk about the elevation, okay? the, the first time I heard this, oh, no, actually, once I heard about it and the second time I experienced it. The, uh, when I was in the seminary okay, was when Castro took over Cuba okay? and three seminarians escaped okay? and they came to our minor seminary for a visit, they were on their way to Spain okay, to finish their theology studies. Okay. Two, 
two of them eventually came back okay, to the States. Okay? And one of them lived next door to me, Esteban. Okay? And I would say to him, Esteban, I know you're finding the English difficult. How come you didn't stay in Spain where it would have been with the Spanish would have been easier for you? Okay? He's a really nice guy. And he said to me, and I, the Spanish, they crazy, right? Spanish spirituality was very different. Cuban spirituality was much closer to an American style okay, than okay, the spirituality in Spain. You with me on that? Right? And I'm not even talking about the bloody stuff, right? What also upset him, he was in the seminary, there were a good number of Basque students, okay? And these are the crazy 60s, okay? But in Spain, when that host got elevated, okay, it was, a, what was done was the Spanish national anthem was sung at the elevation. Okay, do we think that's appropriate? Okay, and it also caused, again, this is the crazy 60s, the Basque students stood up and walked out of mass because they were not singing the Spanish national anthem. Are you with me on culture? Okay, what does it mean? What's the purpose of the act? Does it aid or subtract to? When I went to, the year probably was 19, about 1970, okay? I was with a school trip, okay? So it was my first ever trip to Rome, okay? We were there for Easter. Paul VI celebrated mass in the piazza, okay? Outside of St. Peter's. So an outdoor mass, okay? They didn't give out communion. If you wanted communion, okay, then you would go to another mass. In other words, it was spectacle. Are you with me on that? Okay, nowadays they do that, right? but in, they didn't do it then. And okay, but when, when you, if you sometimes see that, you know, the, the troops come marching in before a papal mass. Okay, at the elevation, they played the Italian national anthem. Okay. So is it prayer or is it a rite of nationalism? Is it prayer or is it spectacle? With me on a, in other words, so when, you know, I, I don't know that, that we in the United States had a lot of some customs that maybe could be seen to be inappropriate, but when they were talking about a need for the reform of the liturgy, okay, it was necessary. Everybody with me on that? Okay. Am well, I? It was, I it, was, it was not me, right? This Castro? Say that again. When you were talking about Castro, it was not me, right? <laughs> the uh, the other <laughs> okay he also used to say i say so, so he uh, this esteban i would say oh my god and i would say yes and he would go the other the other okay 
Okay. The other, the other. Okay. A good man, a holy man, okay. beautiful artist as well. In any case, let's go to these pages on Advent. Okay. This is designed to be a little helpful. So this is a privileged season, okay? Like all of Lent, the last part of Advent is a privileged season, okay? And you can read that stuff on your own, okay? But we come to the page on the season of Christmas. Does everybody see that page? And did I send you also excuse me, praying the memorials in Christmas tide. Did you get that? Good. Okay. So I think most breviaries have about four or six ribbons. Agreed? Okay. You have three. All right. Okay. Starting on St. Stephen's Day, okay, the office gets complicated as the article by Father McNamara makes clear. Okay, May I suggest, folks, that you take it slow and steady and look it over before you try to pray it. Am I making sense on that part, please? Okay. So let's start with, okay, on December the 24th is the Vigil of the Nativity. This year, the Cardinal has given permission for the Vigil Mass to be celebrated beginning at 2. My parish is doing it at 3, ordinarily on a solemnity you would not begin until four in this diocese okay so technically that advent ends with the evening prayer one but the vigil mass could be celebrated before that or after that it really belongs to christmas i wanted to point out that at the vigil mass at the night mass at the dawn mass and at the day mass is something that we do only twice a year that is left over from something that we used to do every sunday we used to say when we recited the creed at homo factus est we used to genuflect okay As a reminder, only now on Christmas and on March the 25th, both of which are solemnities, that when we come to that portion of the creed, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man, okay, that the Roman Missal says that all should kneel. Okay. It may be ignored in your parish, okay? But if you want the people to do it, either right before the creed or at the beginning of mass, 
probably it's better right before the creed to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it, okay? And kind of a leftover, but to mark the importance of the day, okay? That we kneel to give a sense of the enormity of God becoming a human being. Everybody with me on that? Okay. But it's not going to happen. Okay. Now, you folks who are readers, installed readers, okay, uh, if you're anywhere near the pulpit, you've got to figure out where it is you're going to kneel down for this, all right, um, so that you're not making, you know, falling off something. The three days after, well, I should say, right, point out something else that's different about Christmas is that there is an optional solemn announcement of the birth of Christ in a way a little bit like the announcement of the resurrection, which is the exalted at the Easter vigil. Deacon may sing the announcement of the birth of Christ that is found in appendix number one in the back of the Roman Missal on page 1450. Okay, it's not that difficult to sing. Does any do any of your parishes sing the announcement of Christmas? But waiting now for your pastors are probably waiting for your fabulous voices. Okay to sit down and learn that music so that you can wow the crowds and they will pay attention. Uh, I've already been told. Uh, that one too, George? Yeah, I've already been told about to do to start to practice that. The Exalted or, or this one? The, this one. Okay. <laughs> I think if, 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 times were, if times were different, like if we weren't through this pandemic, it would have been this year. Uh, yeah, because it does, this one doesn't have to be a deacon. I mean, he could rope you into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's a nice thing, right? And while I'm there, there is another one that the deacon could do, which I don't see any parish around has in fact done it. On Epiphany, after the gospel... Okay, the deacon can announce the movable feasts for the year. Okay, that is also in appendix number one in the back of the Roman Missal, okay, where you would sing, okay, Ash Wednesday is going to be on such and such a date. Okay, the background for that was in ancient times, it was the astronomers who worked for the Church of Alexandria in Egypt. Remember that that was the university town of the Mediterranean. The astronomers would report to the Patriarch of Alexandria and Alexandria would send out notice to the other churches of when Easter was gonna be this year, and figuring out with the moon and the solstice, okay, and then working back from Easter that you could figure out what the others were. And so it was solemnly announced on Epiphany when Easter was going to be and the other. So there's a leftover to it. If we've already handed out calendars, it doesn't make any sense. But maybe if one wanted to restore that, 
it would be Epiphany would be a good day to hand out the church calendars. Okay. Everybody with me? Okay, still early in January. In any case, let's please take a look. If you have your breviaries nearby, okay, could you open up please to St. Stephen's Day? Good King Wenzel Sloss went out on the Feast of Stephen. December 26th. Well, now maybe right, let's let's start with go to December 25th, please. December 25th in the front. And you see evening prayer one for Christmas. Everybody there. So it gives the hymn right there, gives the antiphons right there, gives the psalms right there, keep turning, the reading, the responsory, the canticle, the intercessions, everything's right there. You only needed to turn a page. Top of, or just before the invitatory, you see that red rubric that says night prayer is said by those who do not participate in the office of readings and mass at midnight. So if your parish had this festival of carols that led into midnight mass, okay, with readings, and you went to midnight mass, then when you got home exhausted, you didn't need to say night prayer. Everybody see that? Now the invitatory, now the office of readings, it gives you all the Psalms are all there in one place. First reading from the prophet Isaiah 11, sermon by Pope St. Leo. Now you come to morning prayer. Everybody with me on this? Okay. See that the antiphons are proper and what you got used to doing for every solemnity was Sunday one Psalms. Everybody's seeing that. Okay. Switch. Okay. You turn the page, he's got his own reading. Everything follows. All of Christmas is laid out for you other than Psalms 1, which you probably have as an insert. You come to evening prayer 2 of Christmas, and you see that all of the Psalms are there for you, nicely laid out with antiphons. Okay. Now switch, please. Okay, You're going to go past Holy Family. past Holy Family, which is Sunday within the octave, and you come to December the 26th. Got that? So December 26th 
is the second day in the octave of Christmas, but it is also the feast of St. Stephen, the proto-martyr. And so underneath December 26, it reads, readings, morning prayer, daytime prayer, everything is from the feast of Stephen, which is in the back of the book in the saints portion. Everybody clear on that? So what they're going to tell you is they're going to give you the antiphons for St. Stephen. You're going to use at the Office of Readings the Psalms from the Common of One Martyr. And for morning prayer, you're going to use proper antiphons. And then you're going to Sunday One Psalms. And then you continue with the rest of the material that's found under the other December 26th. But when it comes to evening prayer, this is where it gets complicated. I'm now back at the beginning of the book. It says to you, the hymn, the antiphons, and the psalms, and the canticle are just like evening prayer two of Christmas. So you need, you need a ribbon or a holy card or an extra finger, okay, for Christmas evening. When you finish the Psalms, you come here to evening prayer. Okay, everybody with me on what I'm trying to get across there? So that the morning is from the saint, the evening is from Christmas. And you keep going back and forth, okay? So it gets a little bit complicated, okay? But I think the article explains it, most of it. Father Ray Brown, the scripture scholar, wrote in an article for St. Anthony's Messenger, the title of the article was, The Christmas Crib Lies Under the Shadow of the Cross. Christmas crib lies under the shadow of the cross. Methinks our culture likes cute little babies, especially when they're in the carriage and they get moved away and they start to cry. Okay? It's cutesy pie and it's baby Jesus and it's nice. But the what Luke is trying to get across to us is the preview of coming events, okay? That this child is gonna die for our sins. That he gets wrapped in swaddling cloths. He's gonna get wrapped again, isn't he? When you think of a manger, you're thinking of a feed trough, are you not? Are you seeing that feed trough being hollowed out of the side of a cave? Or are you seeing it made of wood? What's your choice? Lucas, do you see it? 
if what? it's if it's in the if it's at a feed trough hollowed out of the side of a cave, okay, then in effect it's a reminder of putting him in the tomb, is it not? Or if you are thinking of it as a wooden construction, okay, look at the side of the manger. Okay, so whether you think of the manger as made out of wood or made out of stone, okay, it's it's giving you intimations of the Paschal mystery to come. Okay, why do we associate? Right? We've always put red and green in our culture, at least, as the the colors of that are associated with Christmas. Okay, even though white is the liturgical color, but if you look at the first three saints, the companions of the infant Christ are Stephen, the first martyr, okay, who was willing and suffered in a bloody manner. St. John, who they tried to martyr, I think at least three times. Okay, He was willing to be martyred, even though he died in bed, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. And the holy innocents, who were, even though they didn't understand what was going on, they died because this baby was born. Okay. The Christmas crib lies under the shadow of the cross. Okay. And the first three saints that we celebrate, okay, are the various kinds of martyrdom that our church knows. Everybody see that? how deliberate the calendar is set up okay and if we have been on christmas day putting the spotlight okay putting the spotlight at midnight on the manger okay we open it up a little bit broader okay to see the shepherds in the masses in the morning but a week later we've opened it up to take up the whole scene and we celebrate as the octave day of Christmas, okay, the maternity of Mary, Mary as mother of God, okay? There's kind of a, I think, a beauty to the organization of it. And sometime at some future date, we'll talk about how for the Eastern Church, Epiphany is way more important than Christmas, okay? Christmas he became manifested to a group of Jewish people. Right? On Epiphany, his reality becomes manifested to all the nations. Amen? Okay. Gentlemen, I have enjoyed very much my time with you. Even if I have despised this computer screen, which has kept me from being in your presence, I thank you for your patience in watching a talking head. I hate doing this kind of thing. Okay. Um, I had to do another one yesterday for uh, sexual harassment. Okay. And basically I was watching a talking head okay, for about 45 minutes. Okay. And it drove me insane. You've been very patient. And I thank you all for that. Uh, I look forward to reading okay, 
not so much in words, a, certainly not a final exam, it's not that kind of a course, but things that you found helpful, which will help me in okay, organizing material for the next time we do such a course in a way that it will be better able to assist those men. Amen? Amen. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. I hope you are able to get the vaccine as quickly as you would want. Okay? <coughs> Don't make me nervous, Doug. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we will gather again for the uh, installation of your brothers, okay, whose installation as acolytes seems to have been delayed, but hopefully not their ordination. Amen? Amen. Any questions, problems, difficulties? Oh, thank you, Deacon. Okay. John, when you John Trumpley, when you said before a question from left field, always feel free to ask questions from left field. I kind of enjoy them, as long as you're willing to put up with them for too long answer. You'll get in trouble. Okay. As God has blessed us in our coming together, okay. So may He guard us in our going. Be safe, everyone. Please, Merry Christmas. God bless you all until we see one another again. Merry Christmas. 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 Christ